we got deep on the line. What do you want to ask her? How do you go about finding your team members or your partners or sponsors? I would say you'd have to know how to vet a person. And, you know, it's just like conversation that we are having right now is asking questions. You'd have to ask about um, what, tell me about a deal that did not go as well or that's struggling. And you want to see how the person, if the person answers that question and everybody has a property that struggles, it's a relationship game. So you want to vet the person, the person first. You also want to ask about, hey, when something went wrong, how did you communicate with your investors? Is there a communication plan? You want to find out how they deal with adversity yeah. and um, just ask, ask questions and vet yeah. people and invest. Start as an LP. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast with your host, Brian Briscoe. In this podcast, we bring some of the top professionals in the apartment investing field to discuss various aspects of the apartment investing journey with the sole purpose of educating listeners to make wise investment decisions. The Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast is sponsored by Four Oaks Capital, bringing you high yield returns through apartment complex investing. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast. I'm your host, Brian Briscoe. I'm very excited for today's show. I'm always excited, but I think we've got two really, really great people on the line with us today. We got Deepa Acula and we got Kyle Briggs. And um, as is custom, you know, Deepa, you're up first. So welcome to the show. Thanks, Brian. Yeah. I'm so honored to be here. Yeah. And Kyle, welcome to you too. Uh, we'll, we'll just talk to you a lot more later, but uh, happy to have you as well. Thanks for having me. All right. So Deepa, do us a favor and tell us about yourself. Tell us, uh, you know, where you were and what got you into to multifamily. Yeah, sure. Uh, that's a great question. You know, it's very accidental and it was all by chance. So I was a head of engineering by training. I'm a mechanical and aerospace engineer, got a master's from University of Missouri. Mm -hmm. But when I graduated, um, I found out all my research was for Boeing. And mm -hmm. I found out Boeing was not hiring foreign-born engineers. So I had to pivot mm. into civil engineering. Yep. And I'm a licensed professional civil structural engineer and um, was managing a group of engineers and having fun. And um, I was tired of not having a way to invest our savings. Mm -hmm. And my husband and I both engineers and we had some savings and I knew it was not good to have money in the bank. Yeah. So that's kind of what got me started on the journey of looking for investments mm -hmm. and looked for single family homes. And I'm in Seattle, so nothing really penciled out here. And long story, just stumbled into apartments. Mm -hmm. um, went to an investor meeting mm -hmm. in Seattle, and there was a gentleman talking about um, his holdings in multifamily, mm -hmm. and that kind of got me started. And he was not syndicating, but I learned more and more and found about syndications and started as an LP. So mm -hmm. pretty much by necessity is yeah. how I stumbled into multifamily. 
So yeah, you're lo- looking for a place to invest. You you wanted something, you know, place to park a, a, you know your savings and whatnot. Now the the meetup you went to was it was it a general investing meetup, a general real estate meetup? What what kind of flavor it was it? It was a real estate meetup. I think it mm-hmm. was uh, Seattle's real estate investor club. Mm-hmm. It was an investor club. Yeah. yeah. So I'll tell you, I, I live in Idaho Falls right now. And one thing that I miss about the bigger cities is, is how many, you know, meetups, the physical meetups that there were. And I'm sure Seattle's no different than, than DC where I just moved from, but um, well, good, good enough. And so you, you, you invested passively first. Um, how did you get in contact with the deal sponsor? So that was, um, one of my friends made an introduction. Mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to be an investor on mm-hmm. syndications. And as you know, Brian, 506B, we need to know somebody to get yep. into their deals. So I was just telling people, I need somebody. I need my person to be in one of these deals. And one of my friends just introduced me to a sponsor and said, I'm not vouching for this person because I never invested with them, but mm-hmm. uh, she's doing what you want to be. Or at least what you the sponsor. Mm-hmm. She's a sponsor. Yep. So yeah, and I spoke to her, and we connected. She's an engineer as well, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, that's how I found my first sponsor. Awesome, awesome. So just just from a referral from Rec- a friend, recommendation. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, I I found you know a couple of sponsors, a couple of people that uh, I, I've ended up uh, investing with through the same same way, and you know, friend referrals are are a great way to go. So. Um, so started investing as an, as an L pre let's, let's proceed on from there and, uh, you know, walk us through how you got into the GP side later on. Right. So I invested in my very first syndication about 2019 and mm-hmm. I, uh, wanted to be a GP because I knew how the numbers worked and, and mm-hmm. just from my engineering background. And, um, I was part of another syndication as an LP. I just wanted to learn as much as I can. This mm-hmm. was with another sponsor group. So um, by 2020, I was in two deals as an LP, Mm -hmm. and I've been telling both the sponsor groups that I wanted to be a GP, which is why I'm doing this, because I wanted Mm -hmm. to be on the other side of the fence first and know what LPs go through so that when I'm on the GP side, I know what they are expecting, what they're going through Mm -hmm. to walk them through. And um, I got a call from one of the GPs and I, I tried everything. Um, I tried, uh, pro bonoing my engineering skills. I, because I, I can read through drawings and do analysis and, uh, but you know what you have to give everything you got. Mm -hmm. You have to know what you have in the first place and offer it and see if you can get your way into a sponsorship sponsorship Mm -hmm. group. So, yeah, and I got a call saying, hey, Deepa, we are, I know you want to be a GP. And this was after after two years mm-hmm. of, of constantly telling people that uh, I wouldn't tell anybody because I don't want to work with anybody, but just the two sponsor groups that I yeah. invested my money with, risked my money with. And finally, I got a call when they have a need mm-hmm. for the skills that you've been trying to help them with, get a call. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got my first GP spot. Awesome. Awesome. Now, which which of your your many skills were they looking for in this particular deal? So, um, capital raising okay. was the very first one. 
uh, the needed equity. And mm-hmm. the second one, which I'm not doing anymore for that particular group, is writing investor reports. Mm-hmm. And the group got really big. And now we have a, an asset manager that mm-hmm. does all the investor reports. But in the very beginning, uh, that was one of the other job titles okay. or requirements was writing investor reports. All right. Awesome. Awesome. So that that's uh that that's nice. And uh, I think we'll we'll talk about that deal a little later. Actually, you know what? Let's talk about that deal right now. Cause I always ask the questions about, you know, one of the deals or projects, but let's let's go into a little more detail on that particular deal. Um, tell us a little bit about the deal and uh, how it worked out for you. Yeah, sure. So the very first deal, um, I want to talk about my LP deal, the mm-hmm. very first one Let's do where that. was an LP, um, and because that one went full cycle. But I want to jump to the other one, GP one, really fast. Uh, the very first deal, um, I invested the minimum, bare minimum, because I mm-hmm. just have to try out and at least have a proof of concept. That Most people works, do. Right? Yeah. So I went in with 50, and within two years and a quarter, so it's two years and three months, mm-hmm. um, we made 40% IRR on that nice. deal. It went full cycle. But the first GP deal, talking about how um, I think most of the listeners would benefit from trying how to become a GP if mm-hmm. that's what you intend to, is um, you definitely have to know what you have to offer. All of us have something to offer mm-hmm. and know what you're good at and and also one of the things to audit is what you do in your free time to decompress. Mm-hmm. So if you are scrolling through real estate um, listings to decompress, mm-hmm. I say that because that's what I did. I, I knew. Did yep. <laughs> so so you know, uh, I I work hard like eight to five or eight, sometimes even more. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as an engineer, and I'm looking at numbers, I'm just cross-eyed by the time I'm done with the day. Yeah. And uh, after that, I'm browsing through real estate listings to decompress. Mm-hmm. So that's how I knew that I really, if whatever I do to decompress is, how would life be if that's my real job? Then yeah. it really would not feel like working ever. So find out what to do. Do a time audit. Mm-hmm. And keep a keep score of like how you spend your time. Don't do anything different. We don't want to do anything different. We just want to keep notes on what we do mm-hmm. and what we enjoy the most, and try to pivot and find something that aligns. Mm-hmm. So I am a content creator. I like writing, which is why I write. I prefer to write investor reports, mm-hmm. and. That is what I offer. It is, hey, if I am on the group, I could write the investor reports. Or um, I like talking to people. I love talking to people and explaining how the numbers work. That's just my engineering side of it. So I knew I'd be good with investor relations. So which is why I chose capital raising as one of the other paths. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, Now, a question about that. I mean, a lot of people struggle with their first capital raise. There's lots of reasons for it. You know, how did how did your first experience with capital raising go? So, I was very naive enough to not even know capital raising was a thing. Um, but because I had started as an LP, me and my husband would throw parties pretty much every weekend mm-hmm. since we bought our house. Now that we have a pad to throw parties on, just right. just, just dinner parties, you know, mm-hmm. to friends and family. So um, 
not, and that we did purely for fun. Mm-hmm. And we, without even knowing we were talking to our friends about what we did completely organically, not on purpose. And because I didn't even know that was a thing, capital raising was a thing. So um, all our friends and family, most of most of people here in Seattle, um, they're all either working for Amazon, Microsoft, mm-hmm. um, Disney, like my husband does. Yeah. Um, so we just had people just like us, high net worth individuals, or at least individuals who um, are high income earners. Mm-hmm. And we all needed a place to park our money. So they all pretty much had the same problem we had. And without even knowing that um, I was just talking about what we were doing, that's how we kind of spread the word. Yeah. And when I was doing my first raise, the groundwork was already done. Pretty yeah, much. I think I think that's not on that's, purpose. Well, I, I think you did everything inadvertently. You, I mean, you did everything right. You know, you you built the relationships with people, and a, a lot of this business is one hundred percent relationships. And you did it in a very non-threatening way. You introduced them to the passive investing in a very non-threatening way. And part of what you you know and. We've talked a lot, and I, I, I kind of knew this story before I asked you about it. But you know, it, it's one of those things that you know a lot of people struggle telling people what they're trying to do. Hey, I'm going to be raising money, and and one of the reasons that I suggest that people come in as LPs first is so they have that experience as an LP, but so they can do the same thing you do, and they can just very organically tell people, hey, well, we we invested in this project here, we invested in this project there, and we really enjoy what's going on. You were getting these kinds of returns. And so when it came time for you to um, to, to raise the capital and, and work in the investor relations, you know, all those people that came over for the dinner parties that you guys had talked, to, talked with already knew you were involved with it, already knew you were excited about it. And now when you're sharing an opportunity with them, I mean, of course, they're going to jump in. So, right, yeah. Right. And and the, and I love how you said sharing the opportunity because um we are not asking for money as capital raisers. We mm-hmm. are providing an opportunity. Yeah. Just having that shift in the mindset of just telling ourselves what we do is yeah. our opportunity providers. So, um that helps and also Having a strong why as to why we are doing this also really helps mm-hmm. because it grounds you in what you do and why you do it. And, and the why just radiates. You don't really have to tell people why they feel mm-hmm. it because it's so strong. Yeah. Well, since you brought it up and it's a question I always ask, Deepa, what is your why? Oh, I know. I walk right into it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was no. a perfect segue, actually. I mean, it's, it's like you have my script in front of you and you're like, I know he's going to ask me about my why, so I'm just going to bring it up. Oh my gosh. Again, that was inadvertent. Um, <laughs> so, so, so here, my, Brian, my, my why is um, time freedom. So I got my, my first why is, is, is time freedom to spend time with my, my son and my family. And, and the second why, the whole theme of my career in engineering, just my whole theme of, of my adult life has been to serve mm-hmm. and, and um, be an agent for change and, and just look for the greater good 
mm-hmm. and serve people. And I was telling somebody this yesterday that I've, I've done well for myself, mm-hmm. um, but I, I don't want to stop. I'm just starting because when our needs like a roof and, and, and meaningful relation, meaningful work are satisfied for one single person, mm-hmm. that's when we can think about others, just, just yeah. survival. Right. And, and when I say when I'm done, done well for myself, I, I am happy where I am. And now I can just think about others and serving the greater good and, and solving, being a problem solver and providing solutions and doing what I do. I know how painful it was. I sometimes did not sleep because I had money in the bank. That's just like, it's something. Yeah. It's a pro- it's a good problem to have, but it's a problem. Big problem. Yeah. I mean, ha- right. having money that's not working for you is a problem, right. you know, and right. I think a lot of people, um, I think, I think some people are going to be like, oh my goodness, that's, that's a problem. But there, there's a lot of people who are in the same situation. I think right. that the crowd you were, you run around with that the higher income earners, higher net worth people, a lot of them just don't know financial education in, in the country and maybe the worldwide is just not not common, you know? So, um, yeah. So I wanted to try and solve that problem by providing good opportunities. That's my otherwise is the greater good. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now um, my understanding is you, you've moved into, uh, you know, full time into the, the multifamily business, right? Yes. Not by choice. Yeah. Tell (laughs) tell us how that came about. (laughs) So, oh my God. See the theme? There's it's nothing's my choice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm here by choice. Yeah, you're, <laughs> I love you, Brian. you're here by choice. But uh, you know, it's I, I remember we met right at I'll, I'll let you tell the story, but yes, uh, yes, no. Yeah. So I was working of head of engineering, working as head of engineering for a um, company that manufactured utility poles. And I was heading the engineering department. We would design glue laminated wood poles, and we were one of the only two companies that did it. And um, when the pandemic hit, the lumber market got very unstable and our suppliers shut doors. I think there was one supplier that was unable to, and we were not competitive either. So um, the decision was made, it was a business decision. The decision was made to shut down the entire engineering department. And without engineers, they didn't really need a head of engineering. Yeah. So, so yeah, last uh September was my last month of working as a W-2. And since October of 2021, I've been doing this full time. Yeah. Yeah. So not, not by choice. And, you know, fortunately you were very well positioned to, to make the pivot, you know, and right. um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a fan. I, I truly believe that, you know, everything happens for a reason and, more than that, I think we we get to choose how we react with the opportunities. You know, some people would, you know, woe is me. And I remember talking to you right, you know, right when it happened, you know, and, you know, you were just like, I'm just going to make the best of it. I'm going to push forward and multifamily. That's, that's it for me. So, right. Yeah. Right. So. And also I had some passive income coming in mm-hmm. and what I felt bad about was losing my team. And I, I love the work. I, I really did. We, we designed 
thousands of structures that mm-hmm. carry power and making this Zoom call happen right now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but what I, I had so many other job opportunities come my way as soon yeah. as uh, I was laid off, but I didn't want to be, it's, it's a very powerless position to be in, mm-hmm. you know? Um, you, there's, you don't have to go to work tomorrow morning and that's not your choice. Like mm-hmm. someone can lay you off and that'd be it. Yeah. So I didn't want to be in that place and also had um, got introduced to investing in multifamily. So I already had the infrastructure to, mm-hmm. to lean on that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Spe- speaking of your, your previous uh, employment, I think you need to come work for the city of Idaho Falls because you know, the internet here is really crappy. If you can help them design a better way to get internet to my house, <laughs> I mean, think it would just be amazing. So um, I'm, I'm going to vote, put you on the, you know, a write-in ballot for, you know, whoever's in charge of that on the city council. But uh, um, anyway, that said, uh, um, so what's, what's next for you? What do you have coming up? What's next for me? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to do more of what I've been doing. And um, create content and try and help because financial literacy um, in what I have observed is very lacking and none of us learn it for some reason. I mean, we're not taught. So financial literacy, just the terms, I want to create content where it'd be very helpful for people Mm -hmm. to um, just analyze deals because we talk about DCSR, we talk about cap rates. Once you are in the world of investing, they become easy, but for yeah. beginners, it's very difficult to understand. And so, yeah, creating content and mm-hmm. just talking to people and enjoying the conversations. Yeah. Just doing more of what you've been doing and helping more and more people. So, right. Right. That's the plan. All right. All right. Well, we're going to shift gears slightly here and uh, bring Kyle on, you know, Kyle, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Brian. Yeah, appreciate you coming on. And uh, um, anyway, super excited to learn a little bit more about you. So do, do us a favor. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, I'm 23, 24 years old. I was born and raised in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, which is the second bi- biggest city in a state that doesn't really have big cities. <clears throat> right, right. I'm, I'm in I'm in the fourth largest city of a state that doesn't have large cities, so I, right, yeah. I know exactly where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah. So we're also in Iowa. We're pretty much known for, you know, it's pretty flat. We've got really good dirt. So yep. because of that, everybody just thinks we're corn and soybeans and pigs and whatnot, which is pretty true. You know, um, and I'm I'm in Idaho, which also has good dirt um, for potatoes, and incidentally. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever gotten this, but a lot of people get Idaho and Iowa confused because I guess they both start with the letter I. But uh, oh yeah, um, yeah. Well, I, you I, and I, I will never get that. Mixed you're up. in Iowa? No, Idaho. But yeah. anyway, yeah, so, yeah, a little, little, lot in common there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, then yeah, I was raised there you know, until I was 18. Then um, in that time, I so I was part of like a I'd say a fairly blue collar family. Mm-hmm. My mom was stayed at home. My dad worked as a teacher, and then he also had a detasseling crew. Which, if you don't know what detasseling is, it's it's basically like physical labor. You go into a cornfield and you kind of walk it up every day and pick the tops off of it. So it's actually a pretty gruesome job. That's kind of a rite mm-hmm. of passage in Iowa for fourteen year olds. Yeah. 
Um, but anyway, so that's kind of what my childhood looked like in addition to um, uh, wrestling too. So that's kind of big in the Midwest, but mm -hmm. I've done that since, or actually through college as well. So I did that, you know, it was a lot of my childhood was wrestling and wrestling and I don't know, just kind of just doing odd jobs until I got to, that was all through high school and then into college. Um, I started, I kind of didn't really know what to study. I don't really know if any college student truly knows what they're going to study, but I ended up just going into business. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, in that time, um, I started kind of looking into like what kind of industries people like, because it just seems like um, a lot of people, like we were talking about earlier when Deepa was talking about um, financial literacy, it just seemed like a lot of people were, you know, they were going to college with the with the idea that they're just going to immediately, once they get done with it, they're going to have a, a job. And, and then all of a sudden, and I've been kind of introduced this in the last couple of years, it's, mm -hmm. oh, hey, we're really just kind of let loose and we don't necessarily have the information to, you know, go get a home or, yeah. or uh, you know, pay for your personal finances, you know, be able to manage a budget like that. So um, I kind of saw that coming down the road. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I started trying to educate myself. And that's when um, I started to learn about uh financial literacy through like books and just people that I know who have been successful in business. So like, for example, a really common thing that people will say is they read rich dad, poor dad, and then all of a sudden their life has changed by that financial yeah. literacy. So I kind of, yeah, I was kind of one of those guys too. So <laughs> that was like a, that was the gateway, the gateway book to a lot of education, but um, yeah. So then in the past, in the past eight months, I'd say or so um, I was, well, actually, before that, for the last couple of years, I had been fascinated with entrepreneurship and, mm -hmm. and I decided I wanted to own my own business, but I had no idea what industry or what kind of people I would like to serve or how, even how I'd like to, you know, help them out. And so in the past eight months, I was kind of just learning about like, oh, well, it'd be nice to cut down on your expenses. And my girlfriend at the time, who was actually now my business partner, or, you know, still girlfriend, but uh, mm -hmm. she had come across the idea of house hacking. And so mm -hmm. I was, I, so I work at a gym in town and I, and I had heard that there was one of my members at the gym who was a successful real estate investor, whatever that meant. But I was like, oh, you know what, house hacking, that's kind of the same thing. Maybe I'll ask him about it. So I ended up going into his office that day and I sat down with the intention of learning about how to basically buy a duplex and then cut down your expenses. Mm -hmm. And by the time I left that meeting, he had explained multifamily to me and I was like, like I left, I walked out to my car and I was like, I want an apartment now. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was kind of my introduction into uh, commercial, uh, commercial multifamily. I love and it. And since then, yeah. So since then it's basically just been fire hose of education, trying to find as much um, resources and people that know, you know, that are, that are uh, experienced in the industry and trying yep. to get into that. There, there's this this cliche that says you know your network is your net worth, and I think what you just said there is a perfect example of why it is. You know, because sometimes you talk to people who are, are ahead of you in in one aspect or the other, and they give you an idea that you never would have had on your own. You know, they they help you through one of those you know mind blowing or you know um, mindset shifts that you you need to to get to the next step and i've i've had several conversations like that where you know walking into a conversation you know i, I didn't know what was what I, what i'd walk out with and just having a much open much more open mind and clearer view um than that so um 
anyway, you had you had the presence of mind to at least go ask him about the duplex, and you came out with a lot more. So, um, mm-hmm. yep, absolutely. So you, and, you talk, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just so to this day, I've been keeping in contact with him and trying to pick his brain about stuff. And as I look back on it, some of them were kind of silly questions, but. Mm-hmm. When you're completely green, it really helps to have somebody who's you know walked the path before you to ask to ask on. You know, and you know, you mentioned silly questions, but uh, here here's the reality: we all start, you know, in in a similar position, you know, and usually for most people, it's naked and screaming when they're born, right? You know, we we, we all start in the same the life in, in the same way, you know. But guarantee you, at one point, you know, he had the same questions. You know, he had to learn the things you're asking at one point. And I've had to remind myself that a lot when I'm when talking to people who are more experienced than me is just that these guys probably went through the exact same struggles or similar struggles and they had to learn the same lessons. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't I'm, I'm a little less uh, less worried about whether my questions are going to sound stupid when I'm talking to people. But uh, um, anyway. That said, you, you talked a lot about you know some of the reasons why you're you're making this this shift. But if you can distill that down, you know what, what's your big burning why? Well, I would say it the big why probably stems back from the experiences I've had growing up, and specifically with my with my one of my grandparents. So my grandpa, he was a manufacturer back or he had a manufacturing company that he had founded with a couple of his buddies a um, long time ago, like back, you know, they, I think they had owned it for maybe 20 years, started in the seventies, ended up selling it in the nineties um, for a big chunk of money. And then from that point, he's, you know, he had started becoming an investor, you know, somewhat of a serial entrepreneur. And then that was before I was around and all my relatives and cousins and and then so all the cousins that I grew up with, this whole litter of kids, mm-hmm. we were exposed whenever we went to grandma and grandpa's of this totally different lifestyle. Because up to that point, you know, we just, we lived in what I thought well, was a comfortable household. Like I have no complaints about it, but we'd go to grandma and grandpa's and they were the ones that would take us on the fancy vacations. Mm-hmm. And we'd go to their, you know, whatever vacation homes. And it was like, holy cow, this is, this is completely different. And it was, yeah. it was just a taste of that different lifestyle that I had. Like, Mom, with. dad, why don't you have one of these? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, so that was, that was part of it. That was kind of like, that definitely grabs your attention because it's the shiny things. Um, mm-hmm. But more so than anything, I would say my why comes from <clears throat> not only just the, the fun things that, that wealth will provide you, but rather um, my grandparents were able to provide my cousins and myself and my, my sibling um, with, they basically sat us down mm-hmm. when we were 12, like all of us all going up. To, it was our rite of passage was, was they would sit us down at Thanksgiving and grandpa was like, all right, everybody, you're 12 years old. Mm-hmm. You're an adult now. We're going to teach you about financial literacy. And literally they, he, my grandpa created a program called invest in your future. And what they did was they stopped giving us Christmas presents. And instead they gave us a principal payment that they would say, Hey, this is, you know, it could be a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars or something. They're like, "This is yours. You don't get to spend it, but rather we're going to give this money to you to invest, and we'll teach you how to invest. And every year we're going to come back and we're going to have meetings and we're going to go over or you know have like earnings reports. And it was kind of a fun little thing that we did with you know middle schoolers and high schoolers now at this time. But it was it was a total like mindset shift for a little kid. Like 
little kids, you know, I, at yeah. the time it was before I'd even had a job. So I was like, why do I, and I know money's important, but mm-hmm. I don't even have an income, let alone know how to invest. So that was my um, introduction to investing. And then that like just learning through that process and just learning kind of the basics of just even the stock market just seemed like, Oh wow. I'm like light years ahead of my classmates and all my other friends who they're, they're like, what are you talking about? You know, it's yeah. a brokerage account. Like, what are all these things? And I was like, oh, you know, the secret to investing is cash flow. Like if you could, like one of the basic things we learned was dollar cost averaging. And I was like, oh man, if I want to be a big time investor, I have to make big time income, like over, you know, consistently. Mm-hmm. Like, and so that that was one of the things that um, was really attractive to me about multifamily was the monthly recurring income that you can get, especially if it's if you get a, an asset that cash flows mm-hmm. to be able to put into that and then it, it will sustain itself. So that was that's kind of the big burning why. And, and I really enjoyed that. Like, and I would like to um, be able to not only, you know, kind of replicate what my grandpa did with myself and my cousins, but also be able to do that with my kids and really just anybody who wants to learn because it's invaluable information. Yeah. Love it. I love it. Thanks for sharing all of that. And uh, it sounds like your, your grandpa tried to put you guys off on a, give, give you a financial education. A lot of people don't have. So um, anyway, that said, you know, we, we got deep on the line. What do you want to ask her? Yeah, Diva. Um, thanks again for joining and uh, for letting me pick your brain a little bit. Yeah, um, my first sure. question for you, you were talking about um, you originally got started as an LP. And then on the GP side, you said you were mainly, uh, you played the role of capital raiser. And I was just wondering right. what kind of um, what kind of strategies did you use like right out of the gate for you said you, your first deal as a as a uh, capital raiser. What what did you use specifically besides like I know you said the dinner parties, but I'll let you go. Right, but you know the dinner parties was not part of the strategy though. <laughs> okay. Was, yeah. <laughs> no, no, that was definitely not part of the strategy. But um, you know, most of my investors, well, all of my investors at this point, they're either my family, friends, or um, a referral that came from a friend. So the strategies, I would say, is just um, talk, well, in my case, as a limited partner, I would just talk about the returns that I was receiving. And um, that pretty much, so you want to know about the strategies I deployed as a GP or to grow my investor base? Um, Well, both. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Why not? Yeah. (laughs) So... Yeah, just talking about um, what I was doing, where my money was deployed and how hard it was working and the cash flow I was getting every time I get a distribution. And uh, like I said, that was not intentional because I did not know. I thought the sponsors raised capital and that was it, that there was no, there was not even another spot for another co-GP to be a capital raiser. And also just to be a capital raiser is, is a no-no with SEC. You've got to do something else too. On, on the spot for the sponsorship group. Um, so what I deployed, I would say, is pretty much talking about my experience and what they can expect. So I was piggybacking on the other sponsors experience. And I would say if one thing that helped me uh, close is not talking about myself because I was green too, right? As when my first GP deal was happening, uh, I I was not a GP yet. I was trying to be a GP, 
is to leverage your partner's experience because we don't have any at that point. Like in your case, Kyle, like you don't have any at this point. So finding a good partner, a sponsor to work with, and then leveraging their experience. And, and multifamily is a team sport. It's so big and vast that we all have to stay in our lane and help each other out. So, so yeah, just leveraging your partner's experience, talking about your partner's experience because we don't really have any as the first on our first deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that actually kind of goes perfectly into the next question I had, which was how do you go about finding your team members or your partners or sponsors Right. So I would say you'd have to know how to vet a person. And, you know, it's just like conversation that we are having right now is asking questions. And if you'd, you'd have to ask about um, what, tell me about a deal that did not go as well or that's struggling. And you want to see how the person, if the person answers that question and everybody has a property that struggles. And if they don't have a property that's not struggling, they haven't done this for long enough because there'll <laughs> always be a property that struggles, you know, even for a month or two yeah. or even for a little bit of time, you know, mm-hmm. there's always something. So you want to ask about, it's all about vetting, vetting deals and mm-hmm. uh, vetting. So it's a relationship game. So you want to vet the person, the person first. So ask questions. and. Uh, you also want to ask about, hey, when something went wrong, how did you communicate with your investors? Is there a communication plan? And if something goes um, south, do you over-communicate or you shut down your cell phone? Like which way? <laughs> so you, you want to you wanna find out how they deal with adversity yeah. and um, just ask, ask questions and vet yeah. people. And invest, start as an LP and you will have so much insight, Kyle, start as an LP because I learned how to write investor reports just by reading investor reports for my LP holdings. Mm-hmm. So now I write, write them. Yeah. So right. start as an LP and, and ask questions and vet people. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, there, there, there's a lot of other, you know, networking groups and, and places you can go to put yourself around people. And I mean, that's, that's huge as well. And I think, I think you gave us a great example of answering your own question by, you know, going to speak to that gentleman about just, just the duplex, you know, that's, that's, you just need to do a lot more of that, you know, find people who are in the business and find ways to have conversations and more and more conversations. Right. And also to piggyback on that, uh, on Brian's response, Kyle, join, join Kyle, uh, Brian's Friday TGIF meetup and yes. has a lot of people, a lot of good people. And mm-hmm. if nothing, you're just improving your, increasing your network yeah. and go to conferences. If you have time, get involved mm-hmm. with your local um, real estate investment groups. Yeah. 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 That you mentioned the Friday group. I think that's where we first met. Actually, I think we first met at Lakers, um in, in a breakout room from, from one of Lakers meetups, but. Oh, cool. Yeah, but uh, the uh, the networking groups. I mean, ju- just the one that I run. I, I've had six different people come to me and say, "Hey, I met so and so in your group, and we just closed on a property. Thanks for running it." You know, and and so you know, groups like that where you have good, high quality people doesn't have to be mine; can be any one of them. Um, you know, go to those. You know, do as much of those Zoom meetings as you can, 
And you eventually you're going to find people that you, you want to work with and people who want to work with you. Nice. Um, Deepa, you were talking a little bit earlier about um, the advantage of figuring out what you like to do in your free time and how that can actually serve as a strength in your business. And you were talking specifically about creating content, um, financial literacy content. And I was wondering, is that for like, do you enjoy doing that for like LPs or just for anyone in general or or just for anyone in general? So how I um, bumped into that is I was reading, I'm an avid reader, average like um, about six books a month. And I, I read, I read, um, Hunter Thompson's book, I think it's called Raising Capital. Oh gosh, I might be paraphrasing now, but um, Google Hunter Thompson, you'll find his book. It's and yeah. If I hadn't just moved, it'd be within arm's reach of me, but it's still on a box across the room. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. So in that book, he talks about um, creating content and coming up with like hundred different topics and and elaborating on them. And I just started. I just sat down and he says, sit down for two hours and come up with like hundred topics. And I sat down, I had like 150 the first time I sat down. I, I was like, I would like to know about this. I would like to know more about this. I started putting down on a spreadsheet and um, in my free time, I just create content. So I'm a published author too, on the engineering side. Um, I write, I've written articles for um, many trade journals and I'm a peer reviewer. So I'm a writer and also a reviewer of other researchers' work. So I just deal with a lot of content for fun. And those are all volunteering work. I don't get paid anything for any of that. I just do it for fun. So um, just by that, I figured out that I like creating content and just consuming content too. I mm-hmm. Reading is nothing but consuming content. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of how I figured out. And I create content for pretty much anyone that wants to know more it's not mm-hmm. published anywhere yet but i'm it's in the works nice so something you you mentioned uh you know creating and consuming uh I, I think i create the best content when i'm consuming good content because it gets me thinking you know and so so when i read a I read a good book and i you know just reading one of them that i don't know where i put but uh when i read a good book or listening to a, a good podcast it gets me thinking and you know most of the the, the LinkedIn posts that have gotten lots and lots and lots of views are ones that I didn't weren't premeditated. It's like, wow, you know, I just learned something brand new, pull out my phone and just, you know, tap it in, hit post. And um, I, I think creating content, you know, consuming content in a lot of ways helps you be a better creator of content. But anyway, well, Kyle, we got time for about one more question. So yeah, if you got Kyle. that silver bullet. Okay, I looked up the book. It's called Raising Capital for Real Estate by Hunter Thompson. That's right. I actually, I don't have it with me, but it's at my house right now. It's probably on my kitchen table, but mm-hmm. I haven't gotten all the way through it. So I haven't gotten to the content portion of it, but I got to say so far, I've been really enjoying it. Yeah, I've gotten through it two or three times. So it's a good book. Nice. Yeah, so so Deepa, my last question for you is, um, about a little bit about giving back. And you were talking about this, about freeing your time to be able to be an agent of change. And I was just curious, what are the types of people that, that drive you to give back to them? And, and like, who are they? And then in what ways do you, do you look to help them? Yeah. So um, just, just giving, giving back in, 
as a blanket, giving time, giving attention, being kind. And what I do, the way I, I give back my, my time is I go to different schools in Tacoma here and encourage kids to be in the STEM program. And I, uh, I'm a motivational speaker too. So just giving back my time, uh, I was talking to uh, students, I say kids, students at Tacoma Community College to stay in the program um, because due, due to the pandemic, we our admission rates were down a little bit. Mm -hmm. So we needed the students that are already in the program to stay. So we're just trying to motivate them to stay. So engineering has, has done a lot for me. So, and we need more engineers in this country too. So, so it's, I, I get both the benefits of getting more engineers into um, the society by encouraging them. And, you know, if I, had ever had an opportunity to had somebody come in and say, oh, this is what civil engineers do. I'd have been, oh, that is so cool. Um, and I would have had like a different motivation to, to be something, you know. So just giving kids that opportunity and going out. And also I'm a young members chair for American Society of Civil Engineers. So I just volunteer on, on different boards to give back my time and get more kids I'd say up until high school to, to be engineers. So that's where my focus is at, at this point right now. Nice. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing. Sure. All right. And we're at the time right now where, you know, I gotta, gotta come to a close, but uh, you know, Deepa, Kyle, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Very much appreciate, uh, you know, all that you guys have shared and, and uh, um, one last question for each of you. And Deepa, you get to go first. How can listeners learn more about you? Oh, great. So yeah. I'm active on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. So they can find me at LinkedIn and look for Deepa Akala. Mm -hmm. And uh, you'll see my full name, it's, which is Deepa Reddy Akala. Mm -hmm. And uh, my website, it's vinsidecapital.com. The V, V-I-N-S-I-D-E, vinsidecapital.com. Okay, sounds good. And we'll have a link to your profile and to the website in the show notes. Um, Kyle, same question for you. How can listeners learn more about you? Yep, very similar. Um, I'm most active on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. That's Kyle Briggs at LinkedIn. Um, and then website-wise, it would find under our business, it's firstascentequity.com. That's F-I-R-S-T-A-S-C-E-N-T. EQITY. Right. And we'll have that all written down in the show notes for everybody. So uh, if you're interested in connecting with either of these two, um, just hit the show notes, tap, and that magical internet thing will whisk you away. So that said, once again, thank you very much for coming on the show today. Very much appreciate your time. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Kyle. Thank you both. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast today, brought to you by Four Oaks Capital. If you'd like to know more about how to invest in apartment buildings or want to be a guest in our show, visit our website at fouroakscapital.com slash podcast or email us directly. If you're still listening, you obviously like the show, so pull out your phone, tap subscribe, and leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app. And we'll see you again next week. <laughs>